Welcome to Drift Off, bedtime stories to help you unwind, relax, and drift off. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Joanne, and it's a pleasure helping you get restful sleep. Tonight's storytelling will be the continuation of chapters 18 to 20 from the book The Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum. Before we begin with the storytelling, I want to take a moment to shout out a special thank you to one of my newest Drift Off Premium members who recently reached out to me over this past weekend. She was very kind and very supportive with her feedback, letting me know how much she enjoys the podcast and how it's been helping her with her sleep. So a very special thank you goes out to Vicki from Texas. With Drift Off Premium, you can enjoy a relaxing, ad-free listening experience, as well as two additional episodes every month, a new bedtime story every Tuesday to help you drift off. Go sign up at driftoff.supercast.com or see the link in the show notes. I invite you now to settle in. As your mind and body begin to wind down and relax, softly landing into that perfect sleep position where your body feels most at ease, aware of that surface below supporting you. As you allow these words to gently guide you to a place of comfort. And so as always, my friend, take a full, comfortable breath. And as you exhale, relax and let go. Allow any tension to just melt away. Letting your head sink deeper and deeper down into the softness of your pillow. There is nothing left to do and nowhere else to be. So just lay back, relax, and enjoy the story. Chapter 18, Away to the South Dorothy wept bitterly at the passing of her hope to get home to Kansas again, but when she thought it all over, she was glad she had not gone up in a balloon, and she also felt sorry at losing Oz, and so did her companions. Then Tin Woodman came to her and said, Truly, I should be ungrateful if I failed to mourn for the man who gave me my lovely heart. I should like to cry a little because Oz is gone, if you will kindly wipe away my tears so that I shall not rust. With pleasure, she answered, and brought a towel at once. Then the tin woodman wept for several minutes, 
and she watched the tears carefully and wiped them away with a towel. When he had finished, he thanked her kindly and oiled himself thoroughly with his jeweled oiled can to guard against mishap. The Scarecrow was now the ruler of the Emerald City, and although he was not a wizard, the people were proud of him. For, they said, there is not another city in all the world that is ruled by a stuffed man. And, so far as they knew, they were quite right. The morning after the balloon had gone up with Oz, the four travelers met in the throne room and talked matters over. The scarecrow sat in the big throne, and the others stood respectfully before him. We are not so unlucky, said the new ruler, for this palace and the Emerald City belong to us, and we can do just as we please. When I remember that a short time ago, I was up on a pole in a farmer's cornfield, and that now I am the ruler of this beautiful city, I am quite satisfied with my lot. I also, said the Tin Woodman, am well pleased with my new heart, and, really, that was the only thing I wished in all the world. For my part, I am content in knowing I am as brave as any beast that ever lived, if not braver, said the Lion modestly. If Dorothy would only be contented to live in the Emerald City, continued the Scarecrow, we might all be happy together. But I don't want to live here, cried Dorothy. I want to go to Kansas and live with Aunt Em and Uncle Henry. Well, then, what can be done? inquired the Woodman. The Scarecrow decided to think, and he thought so hard that the pins and needles began to stick out of his brains. Finally, he said, Why not call the winged monkeys and ask them to carry you over the desert? I never thought of that, said Dorothy joyfully. It's just the thing. I'll go at once for the golden cap. When she brought it into the throne room, she spoke the magic words, and soon... The band of winged monkeys flew in through the open window and stood beside her. This is the second time you have called us, said the monkey king, bowing before the little girl. What do you wish? I want you to fly with me to Kansas, said Dorothy. But the monkey king shook his head. That cannot be done, he said. We belong to this country alone and cannot leave it. There has never been a winged monkey in Kansas yet, and I suppose there never will be, for they don't belong there. We shall be glad to serve you in any way in our power, but we cannot cross the desert. Goodbye. And with another bow, the monkey king spread his wings and flew away through the window, followed by all his band. Dorothy was ready to cry with disappointment. I have wasted the charm of the golden cap to no purpose, she said, for the winged monkeys cannot help me. It is certainly too bad, said the tender-hearted woodman. The scarecrow was thinking again, 
and his head bulged out so horribly that Dorothy feared it would burst. Let us call in the soldier with the green whiskers, he said, and ask his advice. So the soldier was summoned and entered the throne room timidly, for while Oz was alive, he never was allowed to come farther than the door. This little girl, said the scarecrow to the soldier, wishes to cross the desert. How can she do so? I cannot tell, answered the soldier, for nobody has ever crossed the desert, unless it is Oz himself. Is there no one who can help me? asked Dorothy earnestly. Glinda might, he suggested. Who's Glinda? inquired the scarecrow. The witch of the south. She is the most powerful of all the witches and rules over the quadlings. Besides, her castle stands on the edge of the desert, so she may know a way to cross it. Is Glinda a good witch? asked the child. The quadlings think she's good, said the soldier, and she is kind to everyone. I have heard that Glinda is a beautiful woman who knows how to keep young in spite of many years she has lived. How can I get to her castle? asked Dorothy. The road is straight to the south, he answered, but it is said to be full of dangers to travelers. There are wild beasts in the woods and a race of strange men who do not like strangers to cross their country. For this reason, None of the quadlings ever come to Emerald City. The soldier then left them, and the scarecrow said, It seems, in spite of dangers, that the best thing Dorothy can do is to travel to the land of the south and ask Galinda to help her. For, of course, if Dorothy stays here, she will never get back to Kansas. You must have been thinking again, remarked the tin woodman. I have, said the scarecrow. I shall go with Dorothy, declared the lion, for I am tired of your city and long for the woods and the country again. I am really a wild beast, you know. Besides, Dorothy will need someone to protect her. That is true, agreed the woodman. My axe may be of service to her so I also will go with her to the land of the south. When shall we start? asked the scarecrow. Are you going? they asked in surprise. Certainly. If it wasn't for Dorothy, I should never have had brains. She lifted me from the pole in the cornfield and brought me to the Emerald City. So my good luck is all due to her and I shall never leave her until she starts back to Kansas for good and all. Thank you, said Dorothy gratefully. You are all very kind to me, but I should like to start as soon as possible. We shall go tomorrow morning, returned the Scarecrow. So now let us all get ready, for it will be a long journey. Chapter 19 Attacked by the Fighting Trees The next morning, Dorothy kissed the pretty green girl goodbye, and they all shook hands with the soldier with the green whiskers 
who had walked with them as far as the gate. When the guardian of the gate saw them again, he wondered greatly that they could leave the beautiful city to get into new trouble. But he at once unlocked their spectacles, which he put back into the green box and gave them many good wishes to carry with them. You are now our ruler, he said to the scarecrow, so you must come back to us as soon as possible. I certainly shall if I am able, the scarecrow replied, but I must help Dorothy to get home first. As Dorothy bade the good-natured guardian a last farewell, she said, I have been very kindly treated in your lovely city, and everyone has been good to me. I cannot tell you how grateful I am. Don't try, my dear, he answered. We should like to keep you with us, but if it is your wish to return to Kansas, I hope you will find a way. He then opened the gate of the outer wall, and they walked forth and started upon their journey. The sun shone brightly as our friends turned their faces toward the land of the south. They were all in the best of spirits and laughed and chatted together. Dorothy was once more filled with the hope of getting home, and the scarecrow and the tin woodman were glad to be of use to her. As for the lion, he sniffed the fresh air with delight and whisked his tail from side to side in pure joy at being in the country again, while Toto ran around them and chased the moths and butterflies, barking merrily all the time. City life does not agree with me at all, remarked the lion as they walked along at a brisk pace. I have lost much flesh since I lived there, and now I am anxious for a chance to show the other beasts how courageous I've grown. They now turned and took a last look at the Emerald City. All they could see was a mass of towers and steeples behind the green walls, and high above everything, the spires and dome of the Palace of Oz. Oz was not such a bad wizard after all, said the Tin Woodman, as he felt his heart rattling around in his breast. He knew how to give me brains, and very good brains too, said the Scarecrow. If Oz had taken a dose of the same courage he gave me, added the lion, he would have been a brave man. Dorothy said nothing. Oz had not kept the promise he made her, but he had done his best, so she forgave him. As he said, he was a good man, even if he was a bad wizard. The first day's journey was through the green fields and bright flowers that stretched about the Emerald City on every side. They slept that night on the grass, with nothing but the stars over them, and they rested very well indeed. In the morning, they traveled on until they came to a thick wood. There was no way of going around it, for it seemed to extend to the right and left as far as they could see, and, besides, they did not dare change the direction of their journey for fear of getting lost. 
so they looked for the place where it would be easiest to get into the forest. The scarecrow, who was in the lead, finally discovered a big tree with such wide spreading branches that there was room for the party to pass underneath. So he walked forward to the tree, but just as he came under the first branches, they bent down and twined around him, and the next minute he was raised from the ground and flung headlong among his fellow travelers. This did not hurt the scarecrow, but it did surprise him, and he looked rather dizzy when Dorothy picked him up. Here is another space between the trees, called the lion. Let me try it first, said the scarecrow, for it doesn't hurt me to get thrown about. He walked up to another tree. As he spoke, its branches immediately seized him and tossed him back again. This is strange, exclaimed Dorothy. What shall we do? The trees seem to have made up their minds to fight us and stop our journey, remarked the lion. I believe I will try it myself, said the woodman. And shouldering his axe, he marched up to the first tree that had handled the scarecrow so roughly. When a big branch bent down to seize him, the woodman chopped at it so fiercely that he cut it in two. At once, the tree began shaking all its branches as if in pain, and the tin woodman passed safely under it. Come on, he shouted to the others. Be quick. They all ran forward and passed under the tree without injury, except Toto, who was caught by a small branch and shaken until he howled. But the woodman promptly chopped off the branch and set the little dog free. The other trees of the forest did nothing to keep them back, so they made up their minds that only the first row of trees could bend down their branches, and that probably these were the policemen of the forest, and given this wonderful power in order to keep strangers out of it. The four travelers walked with ease through the trees, until they came to the farther edge of the wood. Then, to their surprise, they found before them a high wall which seemed to be made of white china. It was smooth, like the surface of a dish, and higher than their heads. What shall we do now? asked Dorothy. I will make a ladder, said the tin woodman, for we must certainly climb over the wall. Chapter 20 The Dainty China Country while the woodman was making a ladder from wood which he found in the forest, Dorothy lay down and slept, for she was tired by the long walk. The lion also curled himself up to sleep, and Toto lay beside him. The scarecrow watched the woodman while he worked and said to him, I can't think why this wall is here, nor what it is made of. Rest your brains and do not worry about the wall, replied the woodman. When we have climbed over it, we shall know what is on the other side. After a time, the ladder was finished. It looked clumsy 
but the Tin Woodman was sure it was strong and would answer their purpose. The Scarecrow waked Dorothy and the Lion and Toto and told them that the ladder was ready. The Scarecrow climbed up the ladder first, but he was so awkward that Dorothy had to follow close behind and keep him from falling off. When he got his head over the top of the wall, the Scarecrow said, Oh my! Go on, exclaimed Dorothy. So the Scarecrow climbed farther up and sat down on the top of the wall, and Dorothy put her head over and cried, Oh my! just as the Scarecrow had done. Then Toto came up and immediately began to bark, but Dorothy made him be still. The lion climbed the ladder next, and the tin woodman came last, but both of them cried, Oh my! as soon as they looked over the wall. When they were all sitting in a row on the top of the wall, they looked down and saw a strange sight. Before them was a great stretch of country having a floor as smooth and shining and white as the bottom of a big platter. Scattered around were many houses made entirely of china and painted in the brightest colors. These houses were quite small, the biggest of them reaching only as high as Dorothy's waist. There were also pretty little barns with china fences around them and many cows and sheep and horses and pigs and chickens, all made of china, were standing about in groups. But the strangest of all were the people who lived in this strange country. There were milkmaids and shepherdesses with brightly colored bodices and golden spots all over their gowns, and princesses with most gorgeous frocks of silver and gold and purple, and shepherds dressed in knee breeches with pink and yellow and blue stripes down them and golden buckles on their shoes, and princes with jeweled crowns upon their heads wearing robes and satin doublets, and funny clouds in ruffled gowns with round red spots upon their cheeks and tall pointed caps. And, strangest of all, these people were all made of china, even to their clothes, and were so small that the tallest of them was no higher than Dorothy's knee. No one did so much as look at the travelers at first, except one little purple china dog with an extra large head which came to the wall and barked at them in a tiny voice, afterwards running away again. How shall we get down? asked Dorothy. They found the ladder so heavy, they could not pull it up. So the scarecrow fell off the wall, and the others jumped down upon him so that the hard floor would not hurt their feet. Of course, they took pains not to light on his head and get pins in their feet. When all were safely down, they picked up the scarecrow, whose body was quite flattened out, and patted his straw into shape again. We must cross this strange place in order to get to the other side, said Dorothy, for it would be unwise for us to go any other way except due south. 
They began walking through the country of the China people, and the first thing they came to was a China milkmaid milking a China cow. As they drew near, the cow suddenly gave a kick and kicked over the stool, the pail, and even the milkmaid herself, and all fell on the china ground with a great clatter. Dorothy was shocked to see the cow had broken her leg off and that the pail was lying in several small pieces while the poor milkmaid had a nick in her left elbow. There, cried the milkmaid angrily, see what you have done? My cow has broken her leg, and I must take her to the mender's shop and have it glued on again. What do you mean by coming here and frightening my cow? I'm very sorry, returned Dorothy. Please forgive us. But the pretty milkmaid was much too vexed to make any answer. She picked up the leg sulkily and led her cow away, the poor animal limping on three legs. As she left them, the milkmaid cast many reproachful glances over her shoulder at the clumsy strangers, holding her nicked elbow close to her side. Dorothy was quite grieved at this mishap. We must be very careful here, said the kind-hearted woodman, or we may hurt these pretty little people, so they will never get over it. A little farther on, Dorothy met a most beautifully dressed young princess, who stopped short as she saw the strangers, and started to run away. Dorothy wanted to see more of the princess, so she ran after her. But the china girl cried out, Don't chase me! Don't chase me! She had such a frightened little voice that Dorothy stopped and said, Why not? Because, answered the princess, also stopping a safe distance away. If I run, I may fall down and break myself. But could you not be mended? asked the girl. Oh, yes, but one is never so pretty after being mended, you know, replied the princess. I suppose not, said Dorothy. Now there is Mr. Joker, one of our clowns, continued the china lady, who is always trying to stand upon his head. He has broken himself so often that he is mended in a hundred places and doesn't look at all pretty. Here he comes now, so you can see for yourself. Indeed, a jolly little clown came walking toward them, and Dorothy could see that in spite of his pretty clothes of red and yellow and green, he was completely covered with cracks, running every which way and showing plainly that he had been mended in many places. The clown put his hands in his pockets, and after puffing out his cheeks and nodding his head at them saucily, he said, My fair lady, why do you stare at poor old Mr. Joker? You're quite as stiff and prim as if you'd eaten up a poker. Be quiet, sir, said the princess. Can't you see these are strangers and should be treated with respect? Well, that's respect, I expect, declared the clown, and immediately stood upon his head. 
Don't mind Mr. Joker, said the princess to Dorothy. He is considerably cracked in his head, and that makes him foolish. Oh, I don't mind him a bit, said Dorothy. But you are so beautiful, she continued, that I am sure I could love you dearly. Would you let me carry you back to Kansas and stand you on Aunt Em's mantle? I could carry you in my basket. That would make me very unhappy, answered the China princess. You see, here in our country, we live contentedly and can talk and move around as we please. But whenever any of us are taken away, our joints at once stiffen, and we can only stand straight and look pretty. Of course, that is all that is expected of us when we are on mantles and cabinets and drawing room tables. But our lives are much more pleasanter here in our own country. I would not make you unhappy for all the world, exclaimed Dorothy. So I'll just say goodbye. Goodbye, replied the princess. They walked carefully through the China country. The little animals and all the people scampered out of their way, fearing the strangers would break them. And after an hour or so, the travelers reached the other side of the country and came to another China wall. It was not so high as the first. However, and by standing upon the lion's back, they all managed to scramble to the top. Then the lion gathered his legs under him and jumped on the wall. But just as he jumped, he upset a china church with his tail and smashed it all to pieces. That was too bad, said Dorothy. But really, I think we were lucky in not doing these little people more harm than breaking a cow's leg in a church. They're all so brittle. They are indeed, said the scarecrow, and I am thankful I am made of straw and cannot easily be damaged. There are worse things in the world than being a scarecrow. And as the story now comes to an end, your journey towards restful sleep now begins. And you can enjoy this moment of peace and calm before drifting off into the realm of dreams. And just resting here now while enjoying this pleasant feeling of sleepy relaxation. Let it wrap around you like a cozy blanket and it feels so good to let go and drifting down deeper and deeper and so my friend in your own time and in your own way you can drift off into a restful sleep. And so sweet dreams, my friend. Sleep well.